Please note, this following podcast features bad language, right from the fucking start. And now, dissecting the week's most shared news stories, and separating the truth from the nonsense, it's the Ministry of Swooping. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Ministry of Swooping, the podcast that does what you can't be bothered to do, looking to the memes and stories, doing the rounds on social media, and working out if there's any truth to them. And yes, I know it is an unusual name, but then so is Heston Blumenthal. So we want people to question the unbelievable things that they see online. We want to cut down on the spread of misinformation and we're going to have a little fun along the way. So settle in for some bad slash lazy investigative journalism and a whole heap of bullshit. I'm your host today, the Secretary of State for Nonsense, Al Galpin, and joining me as my Parliamentary Undersecretary this week's show, he's your favourite podcaster's favourite podcaster and three times South Wales roller skate king, it's Matt Lees. Hi Matt. Hi, and thank you for having me once again. It's a pleasure to be here. I took my roller skates off for this, but that's a rarity these days. Excellent research, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you. I do, I do. you know, the king of digging into things online these days. So you know, I'm finding out all these that's, wonderful things about our, my guests. That's right. My team assured me that had been buried. <laughs> yeah, so it's good to have you back on again. Obviously, you did the first uh, couple of episodes that we did back uh, when we first got started. I had to get you back yeah. on again now that we've uh, changed the format slightly to, to just one guest. And we'll give you a crack at the fact check game leaderboard later on to see if you can break the monotony of the fact that everyone who's ever played it so far has got 7 out of 10. Uh, so we're looking for someone to come along. Oh, I'm and, definitely uh, getting eight or nine, at least. <laughs> and I want to say, because I'm now, pro- am I the most recurring of characters now? Uh, Does that sentence work? Yeah, alongside Kitty. I think Kitty possibly done one more than you. All right, well, once I've done one more than her, I think I should get a title. In addition to, you know, because you have a title. Yeah, this is true. This is probably a good point, actually, yeah. I think uh, you and Thank Kitty you. have reached that point where you you deserve your own permanent position. Uh, in, yeah, the, in the so. ministry so we'll I'll work on that during the week and then uh, we'll get something up <laughs> so, thank you very much how have things been i know we've just been talking before we started recording here about you moving into your new place how's that all gone it's a nightmare it's possibly one of the worst experiences i've ever been through i hate moving it's awful and um i'm glad it's over now and it'll all be worth it in the long run um, but it's no, it's extremely stressful and it's kind of like peeling an onion because you don't really think of how many things you have to do until you start doing them all and realize yeah. that, Ooh, so, and this is the very first time I've recorded inside the new studio inside the new home. So, uh, it's exciting for me as well. And, um, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, to make a long story short too late, um, it was horrible. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, moving house is one of the most stressful things. I mean, you're just lucky. I know you mentioned that, you know, you're renting. When we moved into this place, we had the, we own this place now. So all the little things that go wrong, we can't get someone else to fix. Now it's my job. I've got to yeah. do that. I keep thinking, you know, oh, that, that, uh, that gutter end's falling apart. I need someone to come and, oh, wait, no, that's my job. I've got to sort that out. Yeah. Now. Ooh, that's so, tough. Because uh, we moved in here and the washer and the dryer didn't work. And some of my friends that are real men were like, yo, why don't you just fix it? Take it out, take the back off, take a look at it, see what's going on. And I'm as they're talking, I'm thinking like, I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, what, what? You've no idea how absurd that is to say to me, sir. Yeah. And luckily, somebody turned up and gave us new ones. So <laughs> and I didn't have to do anything. So I'm very grateful for that. I also accept the fact that at one point, I used to be the lead singer in a rock and roll band. And maybe some people might have thought I was kind of cool. But you should have seen how excited I was when we got a new washer and dryer the other day. Oh yeah! And anybody who ever thought that about me, I assure you, you would be cured of this. <laughs> you know, I had quite yeah. a good moment uh, this week where the, the light in our dining room uh, is one of those with multiple little lights on it. 
and two of the bulbs are gone. And they've been gone for ages and I've been meaning to change them. But you can still see, so I couldn't be bothered to do it for a while. Finally did them this week. And it's one of those that you're not allowed to touch the bulbs because if you get anything on them, they might explode, you know, any kind of grease mm -hmm. off your fingers. So I had to get my special little tool out to take them out and put the new ones in <laughs> and fix them. And Hunter was sat there watching at the time. And so every now and again at dinner the last few nights, he's sat there and he's looked up at the lights and gone, Daddy, yeah. So he's like, yeah, Daddy fixed the light. <laughs> nice. So I was like, yes, my son thinks I'm good at fixing things and I've just got to keep this up for another 20 years without him realising that I can't actually do anything. I don't know why I kind of envisioned Tim Allen from Home Improvement. I don't know if that reference hits with you, but uh, <laughs> I fix it. I fix it. But yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm not that. I can't do that. You know. No, no, me um, either. We will get on to some good stuff, some some news stuff. So I uh, scoured some social media for news stories and memes that are being shared online. Dug a little deeper to try and find the truth behind the headlines uh, and any maths behind stats. So, without any further ado, I will go into story number one, uh, which is a quote, and it says, I think that it would be a mistake to keep the UK bound in beyond the time that people want to come out at a cost of a billion pounds a month. Uh, this is obviously in relation to Brexit and extending um, the Brexit date. Uh, and this has come from Boris Johnson on the Radio 4's Today programme on the 1st of October. That's where the quote come from. So it's basically the Prime Minister's re repeated acclaim, is not for the first time, that extending the date of Brexit beyond the 31st of October this year would actually cost a billion pounds a month. Do you believe that, Matt? Uh, I don't want to get I don't want to get political, but I don't I don't believe a fucking word any of these people say. Part of my language. <laughs> That's not quite all right. No, I feel so the same. Anything that comes especially out of his mouth. I'm... Well, what was the thing about the bus? The side of the bus said, we're giving this much money to, yep. to, to Europe. And they were like, no, we aren't. And you're like, oh. oh, I read, speaking in regards to that, I read some very interesting um, thing on Twitter last week uh, about, did you hear this, this story when he came out during an interview and said that he likes to make model buses? <laughs> no. He says he likes to take cardboard boxes and paint them up and basically turn them into model buses. So when someone asked him, what do you do when, you know, in your free time? That's what he said. And it was a very, very odd story. I remember thinking of it at the time. And then in the last couple of weeks, there's been all this new story about him and um, some woman uh, who was supposedly a model or something. And there was lots of stuff in the press about it. And then he came out and he gave an interview to various places and said something along the lines of uh, model behavior or model citizen or, or, or whatever. And again, it was an odd, odd thing to come out when everything else was going on. It seemed a bit mm -hmm. nothing to do with anything. But someone pointed out that basically the reason this happened was when you search now on Google for Boris bus, you don't get stories about the big bus with the lie about the NHS on it. You get stories about him making cardboard buses. And when you search oh, Boris and model, you don't find the news stories about him and this woman. You find the quotes from these articles and he's they've been very careful with their language to hide things obviously some people like myself and others it's too late because we know the original story but for those who don't who've heard something and then go online to search for it they're not going to find that story anymore they're going to find the story that they want to put out there that contains the same keywords i thought these clever it's, bastards it's shifty man it's, yeah it, like it makes so much sense that it's kind of like ugh. You're bit, we're definitely it's manipulation right of course you yeah. know and and it just doesn't it feels dirty doesn't it i don't i yeah, don't like it but it does so what like look at uh, 
<laughs> I hate politics so much because yeah. well, the fifth... all of it, all of it is 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 hypocritical, right? Like every every single one of them does every single thing they accuse every other guy of, and no matter who's in, nobody's happy. That's how I feel about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had quite a lot of heavy uh, political stuff in the last few weeks episodes, so I've tried to keep it a little bit lighter today. But this is one that's uh, that has come in here, so I'll cover this one relatively briefly. Oh, there's a fair bit here, so I'll, I'll skim this. Fullfact.org have already looked into this more than once. So basically, Prime Minister says he wants to leave on the 31st of October with a deal. Um, and if he does that, the UK will then be in a transition period until the end of December 2020, during which it will continue to pay into the EU budget. So extending the date of Brexit into 2020 won't by itself cost us any more in budget contributions than leaving with a, de with a deal in October would. You know, there's been talk of this divorce bill, how much we'll have to pay up when we leave. So effectively, the longer we're in, the smaller the divorce bill gets. So it's not going to make any difference to the overall amount of cost. We're paying more up front, but we're then paying less at the end. So it's the same as if you're on a mobile phone contract. If you leave early, you pay for all of it that you would have done up until the end of your date. But the longer you stay in, the more monthly payments you make, and then less you pay at the end if you want to leave with a couple of days left. So that's effectively the same thing that's going on here. So claiming it would cost a billion more to stay in would be... It's, it's, it's not true, basically. The government has said that it has no indication... Uh, or sorry, it's given no indication that it plans to renegotiate the financial settlement as part of the, the deal, so the divorce bill, or the transition period. So that by that, he, he, what he's saying is is not true. The only difference it would make is potentially in a no-deal basis, but then that's kind of different, not the same kind of, of thing. And he's said in those instances that he wouldn't pay the divorce bill if there was no deal. I don't know quite what happens then. Basically, I think then, if we if he refuses to pay that divorce bill on no deal, and then obviously we have to start negotiations with the EU for a trade deal, they would just make that divorce bill part of the trade deal. Of course And, we, and we'd end up paying it anyway. So what he's saying is... is he's, he's basically said two contradictory things in the same interview. You can say that your plan is to leave with a deal, or you can say that the extension will cost a billion pounds a month, but you can't say both. Both of them cannot be true. Yeah. He's... So, short version is liar, liar, pants on fire. Yes. As as we quite rightly kind of guessed. At the he really is unbelievable, though, isn't he? Yeah. He is. He is the the literal personification of that meme of hold my beer, and it's <laughs> us talking to America. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way, the it's thing is, if if what was going on now in politics in the UK was part of a TV series. You'd be moaning at the writing is too ridiculous. Oh, this Absolutely. storyline is just too out there. It's just too ridiculous. And this is completely unbelievable. But yeah, it's, it's like real a life. WWE storyline. <laughs> you're watching it going, is he talking about making buses out of cardboard? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. And then getting DQ'd in a no DQ match. Crazy. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> That's a whole other story for a whole other I know. Podcast. Let's not get sidetracked on wrestling, but good goodness gracious. Yeah. So that, that, that's our one kind of heavy political story for the day. I mean, there is another mention of uh, Mr. Johnson later on. But we'll move on because yeah, we're all a bit we'll fed up on. with Brexit, aren't we? So, I mean, Triple H, has used, Triple H has used the sledgehammer in a hell in the cell mask countless times. But we'll move on. Story number two, <laughs> is it, my friend? Yes, yeah. Do you want to read us that one? I would love to. 
Please join me in boycotting Christmas crackers this year. 154 million pieces of plastic crap will end up in landfill or oceans from the UK alone. Uh, now, the source here is uh, originally unknown, but we have a Facebook user called Paul Blackmore shared this on the 28th of September. What do you think about that so far? I think I stole your thunder there. You, no, no, yeah. that's fine. It's a big number. Uh, so, yeah, over 100,000 shares. And then another user, Rob Bainborough, added a photo to the text, and that got another 95,000 shares. And it's just essentially a dude um, with a little tiny crappy brush, which are very famous, and you get a lot of them in Christmas crackers. Uh, maybe you could explain to our international listeners, of course, that will be out there. Maybe yeah. they don't all know what Christmas crackers are. No. Uh, yeah, I don't know how uh, how far they spread worldwide. I know they're a big Christmas tradition here in the UK. Basically rolled up pieces of cardboard, cardboard tube with a, a kind of a, a pop in the middle, you know, that you mm -hmm. basically you pull either end of, it goes pop and crap falls out of the middle. You normally get That's right. a paper hat, a really yep. awful joke, and some yep. piece of plastic rubbish. Yes, and the other, I don't know if it was in your family, but in ours, it was certainly, you put the hat on. Oh, yeah. My, Everybody puts the hat on and you eat your the, Christmas dinner. The issue I have is every single Christmas is the hat will rip because my head is too big for them. Yeah, absolutely. So, That's part of the day, too, I think. It's kinda, <laughs> yeah. You can't take it off, though, until it rips and breaks, am I right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. While it's ripping. You have tearing, to, yeah, you, you have to keep trying to adjust it. And sometimes, yeah. of course, the little bit of plastic crap that you'll get will be a paper clip. And then sometimes you can then reattach that to your hat to make it last a little bit longer. Yeah, but it's likely to just rip right through it because it's cheap. Yeah, you're uh, probably more likely to rip it. Yeah, and if listeners don't know, think like Jughead from the Archie comic books. <laughs> yes. That hat he used to wear, but in a really stupid, obnoxious, bright neon color. Yeah, and yeah, some god-awful jokes. Uh, and of the same jokes every year. But it's right, the article about plastic crap, right? Yeah. I mean, For the most part. The most part of it is it, pretty useless. I remember a couple of years ago, we um, we put deliberately got empty ones and put our own stuff in it. So they're a bit more personal. And everyone got a little That's surprise. Nice. I mean, I got a little yeah. Lego characters of me and Kitty and put in her, her one. That's amazing. Uh, and she got me a little key ring, a little, the little cassette from um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Got me that on a key Excellent. ring. So, yeah, you got more, slightly more useful stuff then if you buy your own and put your own stuff in it. But the yeah, ones you just buy from a shop are just full of mm. good, awful stuff. So, yeah. there, the, the claim is that 154 million pieces of plastic crap get wasted out of Christmas crackers every year, which is a huge number. I had a look into this because I saw this come up twice on my Facebook feed and scrolled straight past it. And then the third time it came up, I was like, I really should probably make a note of this. This would be good for the podcast. Now, mm -hmm. one version of it was just the the quote that you mentioned. And the, another one that came up was, again, with the, the photo of the little plastic comb, along with the, exactly the same quote. So I looked into it, and it has been looked into by truthorfiction.com. Um, and at the beginning, they mention, from their searches, it says, for all the mentions of 154 million figure in relation to Christmas crackers awash across social media this month, they've been unable to turn up anything substantiating it, just repetitions of a nearly identical boycott request that was, incidentally, also engagement-baiting gold. Yes, yeah, so a lot of lot of Facebook pages and, and Twitter accounts have been tweeting this exact thing because people love to, to get involved and reply and like and share things that are about plastic crap at the minute they seem to have found the initial 154 million figure came from um, an article in the mirror from december 2017 called brits will put 
pull 154 million crackers this Christmas and spend £19 billion on presents. And that article references a study as the source of its figures. And in fact, the study they refer to was a small phone survey of 2,000 people in the UK. And that survey was conducted by British Airways to form the basis of an infographic that they could distribute to press to get extra publicity for the airline. British Airways claimed that the average Brit will pull three Christmas crackers and hear three cheesy cracker jokes, and then they put in brackets 154,017,483 nationwide. They also then published a blog about that survey. Uh, Supposedly it was conducted and publicised in December 2017. However, neither the press release nor the blog explained how they arrived at that 154 million figure. They've not given the proof of, of how that came up, especially because they only surveyed 2,000 people by phone. So how, by that, they worked out 154 million crackers in the country. I'm not quite sure how, the, how that works out. Uh, but that 154 million figure seems to have stuck. And in last year, Wired uh, repeated the same press release figures, again without substantiating the figure from other sources, such as sales figures or anything like that. And their article says... The same goes for Christmas crackers as the reported 154 million that we pull annually in the UK and nothing but cheerful landfill. Um, And then Truth or Fiction goes on to summarise at the end. They say, in the space of under a week, UK social medias spread a claim that 154 million pieces of ocean plastic were created in just one year due to the use of Christmas crackers alone. Although the underlying motive to reduce ocean plastic is not problematic, it appears to derive its numbers from a self-generated publicity for British Airways in 2017. No aspect of the airline's infographic had to do with the weighty subject of environmentalism. It seemed to be geared towards drawing interest with its Christmas-by-the-numbers approach. We could not substantiate the British people. That British people use 154 million Christmas crackers each year, and even if that likely inaccurate figure was correct, it wouldn't result in 154 million pieces of ocean plastic precisely. We're unable to locate any estimates about the true number of Christmas crackers open in the UK each year, much less the formula that would tell us how many pieces of ocean plastic would result from them. It's certainly likely that the inexpensive plastic novelties contained within Christmas crackers are fated to add to ocean plastic, but there does not appear to be any reliable gauge of how pervasive that problem might be. So basically it's it's impossible to prove whether that is that story is true or false because the original source is so vague and not backed up by anything. Yeah. And I'm sure I've got loads of random crap laying around in boxes that I got from crackers. Oh yeah. So the assumption there is that every single one of us throws every single thing away. Yeah. And I got a bottle opener that I got at a cracker like five years ago that I still use. Yeah. And I've got a little spinning top thing somewhere that I've got in a drawer that I had on my desk at my old job and I had it all the time. I used to use it as like a, you know, kind of like a fidget spinner. It was just something I just played with just to keep my hand occupied. All the time. So, yeah, not everything goes. And some things, like the paper clips and the dice and sometimes you get and things like that, sometimes they can be half useful. So, yeah, they don't all go in the bin, yeah. at least not straight away. No, I had a tape measure once that I used forever. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's always good. Go. I mean, sometimes the little screwdrivers, you get a little screwdriver set, and sometimes they're quite handy because they work for the glasses. Yeah, and especially if you're a toy guy and you have to put batteries in your new toys, you need tiny screwdrivers. You do need tiny screwdrivers. Yeah, this is very true. So that one is is not true, it's not false, it's uh, impossible to say. Uh, so we'll move on to story number three. And the headline on this one is Global Warming Data Faked by Government to Fit Climate Change Fictions. And this has come from Natural News uh, website. It's been shared on Facebook and Twitter. Basically lots of people who are climate change deniers 
have been repeating this story online since 2014, which all seem to stem from one initial blog post. So the article, the gist of it says, the article actually says, in what might be the largest scientific fraud ever uncovered, NASA and the NOAA have caught red-handed, altering historical temperature data to produce a climate change narrative that defies reality. We now know that historical temperature data for the continental United States were deliberately altered by NASA and NOAA scientists in a politically motivated attempt to rewrite history and claim global warming is causing US temperatures to trend upward. What do you think? It's the same question I always have every time I hear about it. And I love a good conspiracy theory. I used to love listening to Coast to Coast AM, not saying that climate change is a conspiracy theory. Please, it's not what I mean. Let me finish. But my thought always first is why? So NASA faked, they're faking data, data, prove to us that climate change isn't real. But what? why? What's What are they getting out of this, you know? Mm. That's the thing about a lot of these stories about manipulation by the governments and things. Sure, it's happening. But in some cases, it's like, yeah, but why? What are they getting out of that? You know, even like the flat earthers. What are the government getting out of What are the world yeah. getting out of convincing us the earth is not flat? Yeah. and Same with this, I think. Yeah. And the other, the other one that always gets me is the chemtrails, uh, you know, left by planes, all designed to control the weather in our minds and all this kind of stuff. And my thought was, if that is true... Every airline in the world is in on that conspiracy. And how does that yeah. happen without it getting out? Like, exactly. Humans can't do anything no. without fighting about it. Somebody, somewhere, would sleep with somebody, and then that somebody would tell somebody else, right? That's exactly. how it would go. Exactly, down. yeah. So, and it would come out in a, a, it would come out in a, um, from a reliable news outlet, not a bunch of not jobs on YouTube. That's right. It's, so it's impossible... So, it's, it's impossible to really like the last one. It's almost impossible to to say. But you know, and again, we, even as far as climate change goes, right? We can't. You and I can't necessarily prove that it is or it is not real, right? Yeah. You know, other have, than things we've read, and things we've seen online, right? Well, you and I can't really prove it either. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not. You know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what gets me about the whole climate change one and and especially what some of the people are saying about a lot of people have been harassing Greta Thunberg and stuff like that online and, and in gen- getting kids in general who want to make a difference to stop climate change and to make the world a better place. And it's like, why are you arguing with them? What would be so wrong about the world being a nicer place? Because they might have uh, one billion less in their trust fund. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, and sadly, that's, that's all. that's literally all it's about. Yeah. You know? Oh, it all comes down to, to the powerful people with money who don't want to lose yeah. that power. But yeah, it's it's yeah, people like the big pharmaceutical companies and the big oil com- energy companies and the, all those kind of people. They just don't want to lose their yeah. position. No, and and which I don't understand because they're all going to be dead. I know. They, you can't take it with sadly, you. Sadly, you know, it, you can't rely on everybody to do the right thing. No. Because, you know, absolutely. it's like the thing we talk about there's enough there's enough wealth in the world for everybody to live very very comfortably yeah but that would never happen right because no. because pull the ladder up jack and solve the rest and that's the problem with something like climate change it's going to take everybody almost like the airlines coming together it's going to take everybody coming together to go okay man yeah yeah we'll switch to we'll switch to electric cars no no i realize that we're going to go out of business and lose billions but it's the right thing to do for the planet that's how mm. the that's how the movie ends and i hope that's how 
the real world goes, but I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm a I'm a pessimist if that's the right word. Yeah, in that sense, I think when it comes to like relying on other people. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, in this respect, in regards to this uh, faking of or adjusting of Mm -hmm. temperature data, the first thing to mention is that the records of global surface temperatures are constantly being refined based on the addition of new data, fresh statistical analysis, or new historical insight into the history of a specific source of data. And reporting on a shift as something to uncover is not true about what's going on. It's it's showing a, a real ignorance of how climate science operates. Those changes are publicly reported, they are based on stated scientific criteria, and they are subjected to rigorous internal and external peer review. That is the summary from from Snopes on mm. such thing. Basically, uh, the report in question concerns a climate record known as the NASA Goddard Institute for Space Studies Surface Temperature Analysis, or GISTEMP. Now, those records are based on a massive global data set of temperature stations from around the world, combining several collections of data originally collected by individual weather stations. Now, that record provides uh, a measure of the changing global surface temperature with monthly resolution for the period since 1880, when a reasonably global distribution of meteorological stations were first established. Now, a report highlights that a version of the Gistemp record for the US, first published in 1999, comparing it to another one published later in 2012, and the, the report points out that the data has changed between those two reports, and that's why they're saying it's been falsified. NASA published multiple papers in 99 and 2001 about those changes and why they were made. Links to the papers are actually available on the NASA website and they do publicly summarise the change in, in several other places. Now, uh, there's a guy called Zeke Housefather who wrote for a website called Skeptical Science. His work, in part, independently analyses the adjustments made by government agencies' climate records. And he said... There are a number of folks who question the need for adjustments at all. Why not just use raw temperatures, they ask, since those are pure and unadulterated. The problem is that there's really no such thing as a pure and unadulterated temperature record. Temperature stations in the US are mainly operated by volunteer observers. Many of those stations are set up in the late 1800s and early 1900s as part of a national network of weather stations focused on measuring day-to-day changes in the weather rather than decade-scale changes in the climate. Nearly every single station in the network has been moved at least once over the last century, with many having three or more distinct moves. Most of the stations have changed the type of instruments that they use, and observation times have shifted from afternoon to morning at most stations since 1960 as part of an effort by the National Weather Service to improve precipitation measurements. So basically, because so so many things changed in the way that that data was collected, NASA started to take... Uh, into consideration those factors and adjusted some of the the temperatures accordingly. Mm -hmm. Now their own website says, starting in the 90s, the methodology took into account documented non-climatic biases in the raw data and eliminated or corrected unrealistic outliers. The goal of those adjustments is to remove shoddy data from the data set using pre-established methodologies not to fit a climate change narrative. And they listed in a 2001 paper the things that they took into account. The time of observation, the station location history, change in thermometer type and urban heat effect. And that's because densely populated urban areas retain heat more than rural areas. Um, So anything post-1999 takes all those things into account. 
and adjusts the temperature slightly to give a what they believe is a true reading. So it has been adjusted, but for those reasons. They're not hiding anything. They're publicly telling the world this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. And independent people have gone, yep, no, that's the right thing to do. But some people are then obviously taking that and you're putting their own biases on it. Yeah, they've just gone with NASA altered the results. Yeah. Oh, when people realise this, they're going to freak out. It's like, well, no, people no. who in the know funny, though, have known for ages. Yeah, well, it's funny too because it's not like the Earth told us how to track its weather. So it's yeah. like we make up these things just seemingly for no reason how we're going to judge how how the weather is. And then all of a sudden we go, hey, man, these things that we just randomly chose to to, to, to measure things by changed a lot. You know, mm. it's, I heard somebody say that like the Earth isn't the earth isn't going to die right like the earth is going to be fine it's it's us living beings are going to have the problem I think. yeah yeah oh we'll die and then the earth will recover once we're dead exactly so when people say we're killing the earth it's like well no we're killing really, ourselves the earth, yeah exactly we are the we are the virus in the stomach of the earth if you know and it's oh, yeah. it's just going to Worst case, I hope not, obviously, but it's going to kill us off. We aren't going to kill. Yeah, it. I mean, it's like when you get a fever. Your body gets a fever, and it burns out what's going, you know, the infection. Yeah, that's us. And that's what Earth is doing. It's raising its temperature to kill us off. Put out, put and that on it'll... your poster. Ministry of Swooping says we are the infection. <laughs> we are the infection. I'll get that on yes. a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that one is um, complete bullshit. Uh, bullshit and it's been picked up by a lot of climate change deniers and i don't understand why they're climate change deniers uh, they're like oh it's just how it goes it warms up and it cools down blah 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 it's like yeah it does but not to this extreme and not to the extreme where we are our lives are at risk so why don't you do a bit about it enough it? Of, enough of that we'll move on to story number four do you want to read us a headline from story number yes, four Matt? i will so, on July 28, 1996, a man's body washed up on a trawler in the UK seas. There was no identification on the body except a 25-year-old Rolex oyster on his wrist. As Rolex maintains such meticulous service records, they were able to ID the victim and ultimately the murderer. I like this one, and I sincerely hope it's true. <laughs> oh, we should come to that in a minute. So, yeah, this, this um, came up on... On the subreddit, uh, the, today, the Today I Learned subreddit, and there's then been version of it shared on Facebook as well. The headline basically says the whole story. That's that's the whole gist of it. So, yeah, they reckon that body washed up with just a Rolex, and from that they worked out who he was, who killed him, and everything. So what do you think that's true? I think it's it could be extremely possible and likely, couldn't it? I mean, stranger things have happened. My brain right, right away went from... The Rolex was a gift. There's a fingerprint on the underside of the Rolex. Yeah, I think it could be possible, yes. Well, the guy who posted that on Reddit linked to a, a news article from the Plymouth Herald, uh, and that article goes on to say that on July 28th, 1996, man's body was found in the net of Brixham Trawler, six miles off Tainmouth. Detectives found nothing on the body to indicate who he was. The only clue was a 25-year-old Rolex Oyster watch that was still attached to his right wrist. Six weeks later, after researching Rolex's meticulous service records, officers established that the victim was 51-year-old former soldier Ronald Platt. The serial number and service documents showed his timepiece had been taken into uh, Harrogate Jewellers in the 1980s. So that aspect of the story is true. They did identify him from the, the Rolex and their, their records. Basically, every time you take a Rolex to be serviced... 
they engrave something on it, the official Rolex services. So you can tell exactly when it was bought, what the, who bought it, where and when it was serviced. You get the complete service history of this watch every time you buy one of these things. It's amazing when you think about it. Mm-hmm. So that aspect yeah. partly true. Now, as for the murderer, the article goes on to say that Albert Walker was convicted of Platt's murder, uh, and then the full story is listed on Murderpedia, which apparently is a thing. Um, oh, good Lord. <laughs> I didn't look at any other pages on Murderpedia, but I did read the story of this one on there. And it's quite a story. Now, Albert Walker ran a bookkeeping company called Walker Financial in Canada. And in 1986, a stock deal that he'd invested in collapsed. Um, and he was at that, that point a mortgage broker and a financier. He defrauded about 70 Canadian clients out of $3.2 million dollars. And in 1990, he fled to Europe with the second of his three daughters, Sheena. In 93, he was charged in Canada uh, with 18 counts of fraud, theft and money laundering. Uh, and in time, he became Canada's most wanted criminal and the second most wanted by Interpol. He eventually made his way to Harrogate in North Yorkshire, where he lived with his daughter, who was posing as his wife. Which is just the beginning of the weirdness. Uh, during that time, Sheena had two children, the paternity of whom has never been revealed. He changed his name to David Davis and began a business career with a television repairman called Ronald Platt. Platt had actually been born in Canada and wanted to go back to his home country. Now, Walker helped him by paying for the trip, but claimed that he needed Platt's driver's licence, signature stamp and birth certificate for their business. So when Platt left for Canada in 1992, initially with the intent of permanently staying there, Walker assumed his identity. Platt ran out of money and came back to England in 95, which obviously was a risk to blowing Walker's cover. So Walker took him out on a fishing trip, and on the 20th of July 1996, he murdered him, weighed him down with an anchor, and dumped his body in the sea. Two weeks later, that body was then discovered in the English Channel by a fisherman uh, with the Rolex, the only identifiable object on the body. Now, since the Rolex movement had a serial number and was engraved with special markings every time it was serviced, the police traced the service records from Rolex. Police initially thought that the victim had committed suicide, but after establishing his identity and realising it was was Platt, they then realised that someone else was using his identity. So then they launched a murder investigation. In addition to that, police were able to determine the date of death by examining the date on the watch calendar, and since the Rolex movement had a reserve of two to three days of operation when it inactive and it was fully waterproof, they were able to determine the time of death within a very small margin of error. However, it wasn't just the watch that led them to Walker. Uh, the police found a van load of documentation in Walker's house, and among it was a two-inch square sales receipt which showed that he had purchased on Barclay Card an anchor. Um, and then they proved that his yacht was at sea at the time of his murder, uh, and for the, apparently for the first time in any case, they took the yacht's GPS navigation system back to its manufacturers and they were able to plot coordinates which confirmed the time and date that it had been switched off and proved that it had been very near to where his body was found. So tests on the Rolex established it would have taken 44 hours to wind down and the watch stopped working on the 22nd of June, which meant that he died on the 20th. And from the GPS, they put Walker's boat in that area on the 20th of June. Now, inside the cabin were some cushions on which they found some head hairs. 
DNA tests proved that they were from the victim, and forensic tests found zinc traces from the anchor on Mr. Platt's belt and traces of leather on the anchor. So in the spring of 1998, Walker's preliminary hearing was held in Tainmouth, and on the 27th of April 1998, he pleaded not guilty in a murder trial um, in Exeter, uh, but then was found guilty in 98 and received an automatic life sentence for murder. Had he not been convicted, uh, the Foreign and Commonwealth Office would have sent him back to Canada to face fraud charges. Wow. So that is quite a story. So the majority of it is true. The, the Rolex was a huge part of working out who he was um, and led kind of led to the murder of the fact that once they realised who he was, they realised someone else was pretending to be him. But it wasn't the only yeah. thing that got them. Yeah. The one thing that comes to my mind is, to, to go back to our other questions, can we get the Rolex people to sort out Brexit? <laughs> yeah, it's quite It's like they got that. their shit together, it sounds like, right? It does, yeah. I mean, the fact that, you know, this was 25 years after he bought that watch and they still had those records. I mean, GDPR, I mean, these days, are they still allowed to keep that kind of record? I don't know. Boris doesn't know what he did like a week ago, man. <laughs> and Rolex knows what a watch, where a watch was repaired in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. It's brilliant. Uh, I kind of like yeah. it. Rolex for president, whoever they are. <laughs> yeah, Rolex can be in charge of uh, organizing or, stuff and record or, keeping. Yeah. Or, to sidetrack just for a very quick second, Bob Iger could do it. I just read his book. He could do it. Oh, yeah? The, the CEO or president of the Walt Disney Company. Yeah. He could sort out Brexit. Well, it looks like he'd, he'd kind of sorted out the, you know, the Spider-Man deal. That's what I'm saying. That's what he... Although he I hear... The purchase of Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. All you did here... Yeah, and no, I was going to say that I think the, the the one person I read who was most instrumental in getting the Spider-Man deal sorted out was, was Tom Holland himself. That's right. He uh, went to both Bob Iger and uh, I forget the guy's name. He's head of Sony now, but he basically pleaded with them. It was like, "Come on, guys, sort something out." And yeah, they, he was like the kid talking to the divorced parents. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's like, "Come on, I want to keep playing with my friends." Yeah, look, Dad, happen. I can get you the I can get you the beach house, Dad. Don't make me change schools. Give up the Ford. Yeah, don't make yeah. me change schools. He's just work it out. Exactly. So there we go. That was a uh, true story this week. Uh, so I will move on to story number five. It's another slightly political one, but it's a short one. This is a tweet from a man called Mark Hebden, and he's said, The Tories have taken the national debt up to £1.8 trillion. Boris Johnson said at a conference, We've wiped out the national debt. Facts don't matter anymore. Uh, so this has been shared a lot on Twitter, uh, and the quote has even been picked up on by The Express. They reported it as truth. So, yes, the gist of it is... Claiming that Boris Johnson said at the Conservative Party conference last week that we have wiped out the national debt, and that tweet was shared over five thousand times on Twitter. I certainly believe a part of that, which is the facts don't matter. Um, I I bet he did say it. You yeah. Know? So we started the day with uh, something that Boris did say, uh, that, but it turned out not to be true, uh, and this one is something that Boris did not say, and also is not true. There is no evidence anywhere. I can't find any evidence that he actually said that. Fourfact.org have looked into this one as well. They said they actually reviewed the pre-released draft of his conference speech, and there's no mention of that statement in there. They've also reviewed subtitles of the speech itself using their own internal technology, which show that there's no mention of that claim. In fact, the actual speech is on YouTube, uh, where the actual quote 
quote is quite clear. What he actually said was, it was this Conservative government that tackled the debt and the deficit left by the last Labour government. Now, whatever you believe about Boris and the Tories and Labour or debt, he clearly didn't say that they wiped out debt, but that they no. had tackled it. Mm-hmm. Now, you can tackle something without actually finishing it. So what he's basically suggesting is, yeah, we, we had to do something about what we were left with, and we have, but, you know, it's not gone. But there are a lot of other people online on Twitter who have also claimed that he did say that they wiped out the debt, but none of them are journalists who are at the conference or anything. They all just seem to be random people. Additionally, mm-hmm. if you Google the phrase, we've wiped out the national debt, the only things you get are that tweet and other tweets like it. Right. No evidence, again, that he's ever said those things. Now, no, but it is evidence that facts don't matter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people, so yeah. enough people are believing it that that part yeah. of it is true. The facts don't seem to matter. Mm-hmm. Now, the actual facts of it are that government debt has continued to rise since the Conservatives came into office in 2010, but the deficit has fallen in recent years. Now, it's important to explain what the difference is here. Government debt is the total amount of money that the government owes from its borrowing over all the years, plus the interest. The deficit is effectively how much it borrows every year. So the size of the government deficit rose significantly following the financial crisis in 2007-2008, But since 2010 and 11, when the Conservatives came back into office as part of the coalition government, the deficit has fallen in every year but one, uh, which in turn means that the national debt has continued to grow, but at a slower rate. Whether you consider that to mean that the government has tackled the debt and deficit is then basically down to interpretation. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get people on both sides of the political divide arguing both ways for that. But that is the truth of it. Debt has gone up but slower because they are borrowing less every year. Mm-hmm. So he did not say that they worked out the debt, and of course they haven't worked out the debt in any way, shape or form. So that's one is also bullshit. It's also bullshit, yes. But for once, it's not that the politician themselves has made this bullshit up. Someone has made it up and named them. Uh, so that one's for once, is not Boris's fault. Uh, so we'll we're move. still watching you. We're still, we're still, <laughs> oh, watching, we're still watching you. Yeah, and if he ever comes out with anything that sounds absolutely batshit bonkers and turns out to be true, we we're will mention. Him. We will mention it. That's right. In the interest of fairness. Uh, so we'll move on to the story number six, our last one for this week. Matt, what does this one okay. say? As we head into the spooky season, just a reminder: if you take medications, don't fall for the activated charcoal trend. I yelled that because it's in capital. <laughs> Why? because activated charcoal is used in oral overdose cases to bond to medications and harmful chemicals to prevent your body from absorbing them. Why was I yelling? Because it's rather serious, especially if you take meds that you can't miss a dose of. Mm-hmm. This one was initially shared, or this version of that quote was shared by Nicole Bitesize Morris on Facebook, and it's got a photo of some black foods below the comment that Matt just read out. Of that foods that people should avoid as the ingredient negates the effect of prescribed medications and oral contraceptives, which is a other versions of this claim have mentioned. So, do you think that's true? <sighs> it's I, again, there's so many Fruit Loops out there; it's hard to know. Um, <laughs> that's but why we're here, I guess. Yeah, it's, I think that's why I'm here with you, so you can help me through this because <laughs> I don't know what to think in this case. Now, I must admit, I hadn't seen many black foods around. No. Only- I mean, I remember, I remember reading uh, some time ago that you shouldn't eat like 
really burnt black bacon or the really burnt parts of like chicken skin or anything like that. Mm. Uh, but that could have just been a similar kind of BS thing too. I don't yeah. know. Well, I think if something is burnt, uh, I think there are risks to it, but only again, only if you eat quite a bit of it, I would have thought. Yeah. The only other black food I remember seeing was when we were in Japan, they'd introduced a black burger at McDonald's and the burger was black. The bun was back. Uh, it basically was coloured with squid ink, um, and it was I think it was, now, what, it was, was it a Halloween okay? thing. I, I didn't eat it. I think it was actually yeah. we were there at the wrong time of year. They were it was a Halloween. They brought it out not long after we were there. It was for Halloween or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but this one I've not seen it food coloured with charcoal before. So I googled it. There are a whole bunch of articles out there reporting a trend of activated charcoal colouring for Instagram friendly baked goods and dishes. So there is a Wikipedia page called Charcoal in Food, which was only created in 2017. So it kind of shows that it's a relatively new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in May 2017, there's a magazine called Self Magazine that shared a gallery of activated charcoal-coloured foods, along with advice to avoid such items for the same reasons that we read out just now. Now, the article was called The Activated Charcoal Food Trend is Pretty, But You Should Definitely Avoid It. And the article mentions, and I love the way this ends, the article goes, doctors use activated charcoal to re- treat poisoning and drug overdoses because it binds with the substance before your body absorbs it. But when you eat charcoal, it can also bind with the stuff that you don't want to get rid of, like vitamins, minerals and phytonutrients, which obviously isn't great. It can also keep your body from fully absorbing any medications you've taken whilst eating charcoal-filled foods. Not to mention, there are claims that it causes intestinal blockage. So unless you're looking to suck some of the nutrients out of your body, you probably don't want to consume any of these trendy foods or drinks. Activated charcoal is ineffective and potentially harmful, which is all the more reason to look, not eat. With that in mind, here are 14 pretty charcoal foods that got the Instagram treatment. (laughs) So it's like, don't do this, guys, but here, look at all this stuff that you can do. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't have an instinct to eat many things that are like squid ink black, you know? Yeah. That's not something my palate leads me towards, but uh, to each their own. I can understand it looking at it and going, okay, that looks that looks interesting. Yeah, that looks weird. I wouldn't eat it, but oh yeah, the photo's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't touch it. But then obviously you're only taking those photos because you've made it. And once you've made it, what else are you going to do with it? You're clearly going to eat yeah, it. Yeah, I guess so. Now. Uh, um, there are other articles out there that talk about it. In October 2017, the University of Utah's health blog looked at the use of activated charcoal in food. Um, that article mentioned constipation as a possible side effect and also surmised it could be problematic with respect to some medications, but did add a laundry list of mitigating factors, so those suggesting that it's not just instant you're going to have problems. Uh, food magazine Bon Appetit looked at it in August 2018. There, an expert that they consulted... Uh, again referenced clinical use of the substance to prevent the absorption of ingested poisons but noted that there's only some evidence that negated the absorption of vitamins and then bustle.com also wrote an article about it and they consulted a gynecologist um, who said that activated charcoal as food coloring didn't really pose much risk at all they said while the risk is very low charcoal could potentially decrease the effectiveness of birth control pills in my opinion it's not enough to avoid activated charcoal altogether uh, this is from Dr. Will Cole. Now, he mentioned, however, if you want to take all precautions and still enjoy black car- charcoal ice cream, just be assured to avoid consuming it at least two hours before and after taking your birth control. Every person is different, though, so one person may be more sensitive to charcoal's effects than other. 
So that doctor seems to suggest, suggest that it's not really that much of an issue. Just don't take it too close to medication. The example they've used is birth control pills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Truthorfiction.com again had looked into this one. They summarised, we found no reported adverse effects in the years since activated charcoal as a colorant became popular. Articles speculated that activated charcoal affected birth control in particular, but when consulted, experts state that the risk was slim to none. In clinical research from 2001, administration of activated charcoal did not lead to ovulation in any of the women in a study examining its effect on oral contraception. So there's literally only been one clinical research trial about it, and it proved that nothing happened for it. So it's mm-hmm. kind of nonsense. The truth of that, yeah, they do use that activated charcoal to bind things together in your body, but at the levels you're going to be eating them in, in some ice cream or a burger or whatever it is, it's probably not going to make any difference to you, to be honest. Just don't eat it all the time. Yeah, like most things, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Everything in moderation, including moderation. Except for Haribo's. Except for Haribo's. Other other sweets are available. <laughs> but if Haribo do want to sponsor us, we would be totally oh, up yeah. for that. I really I, I I like the ones that look like little little cola bottles. <laughs> That's such a specific reference that most people may not may not again. I apologize. You can cut it out if you'd like. <laughs> well, actually, that does wrap up our news section for the week. Um... So anyone listening, if you've seen something online or heard something that you want to know if it's true, let us know. We'll take a look at some of your suggested stories and discuss them on the next episode. You can contact us on Twitter and Instagram, where we are at moswooping. You can email us at moswooping at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voicemail on Anchor, where we are, you guessed it, moswooping. Plus, we've got a Facebook page where you can get updates from us and a Facebook group where you can join our community and share fake stories that you found. I think you can work out what those are called. Just search for Ministry of Swooping. So now it's time for the Ministry of Swooping Fact Quiz. Each week, my guest is given a series of 10 facts and we'll have to judge whether they are true or false. We'll then place them on the Ministry of Swooping leaderboard. Currently, uh, Kitty Galpin, Jim Cliff, Karen Robinson and Jack and Adder all scored 7 out of 10. Are you ready, Matt? Uh, oh, I'm ready. I was born ready. <laughs> let's do it. I'm not over competitive at all, so let's have it. I'm not... I did not just pick up a, a, a toy WWF wrestling championship and put it on my shoulder. <laughs> right, number one. The television was invented only two years after the invention of sliced bread. True. That's actually false. I actually was given this, well, I found this, this fact listed as true on a facts website. But after being caught out once before, I did double check this and it turns out sliced bread was first sold in 1928 and the electronic television was first invented in 1927 the year before although mechanical televisions had existed as far back as the early 1800s but what we know today as a television was the year before sliced bread came on the market so there we go fine i'll allow it since it's factual I'll allow it. <laughs> number two until 2011 russia didn't consider beer to be an alcoholic drink true it is true and that's because anything with less than 10 percent alcohol was just classed as a soft drink until a because, they was drink vodka. <laughs> because they drink the hard stuff yeah yeah i just like the idea of you know 
10, 10 years ago, someone going, oh, beer? No, that is for the children. You know, the That's vodka. Right. So, uh, yeah, so you got one. Number three. Deoxygenated blood is blue. True. No, that's false. Oh, not going to make it. <laughs> Deoxygenated blood is a dark red colour and oxygenated blood is light red. Blood sometimes appears blue only because the skin and fat makes it look that way. But blood is never blue. Uh, okay, number four. McDonald's once created broccoli that tasted like bubblegum. I'm... I really want it to be false, but I'm going to say true. It is true. Oh. It is true. In 2014, they tried making broccoli sweeter, like bubblegum, in a test for a redesigned Happy Meal, but it turned out that making the broccoli sweeter just basically confused the focus groups that had been called in to test it, so they never actually put it out into stores. And who thinks of that broccoli? Bubblegum. <laughs> yeah. uh, number five. Humans have five senses true uh, it's false depending on what you clarify as uh, a sense the actual number ranges from between 9 to over 20 obviously you've got your classic 5 sight, smell, taste, touch and hearing but there's also balance, acceleration pain and temperature um, and some others as well If you, oh come on fuck alright <laughs> number 6 bulls are colour blind <laughs> B- bulls, B U L L S. Bulls, yes, as in totally two different horns. answers. Yeah, bulls, as uh, in with the bulls, horns. Well, but they like the bulls, but they like the red thing, right? Like the they wave the. They, but maybe they do. They're true. It is true. Yeah, no, they don't get angry when they see red. It's the wavy movement of the cape that makes oh. them charge, not the car. All right. So there you go. Well done. Got that one. Excellent. Number seven. The probability of you drinking a glass of water that contains a molecule of water that also passed through a dinosaur is almost 100%. It's almost 100%. But that, well, I like this one. I want this one to be true. I'm going to say true. It is true. It is true. Yes. Well done. Uh, okay. So that means dinosaur pee, right? Uh, well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, water that passed through a dinosaur. So it came out yeah. some one way or another. It's got to come out somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number eight. The Earth revolves around the sun. False. Yeah, it is false. It revolves around the solar system's centre of mass, which is called the barycenter. <sighs> Usually that is contained within the volume of the sun, but it's not always the case. Sometimes the masses are outside the sun, so the Earth technically orbits around empty space. That's exactly what I was going to say, but I figured it was your show. <laughs> okay. Number nine. Cracking your knuckles does not cause arthritis. Does true. not cause arthritis. It is true. True. The popping noise heard is a displacement of air in the joint and the supporting ligaments and tendons gliding over the joint surfaces does not cause arthritis. Uh, and number ten. Bananas grow on trees. True. No, it's not. It's false. Well, banana but- plant is actually a herb. The largest herbaceous flowering plant is not a tree. But what about the song? <laughs> the song's wrong. Uh, uh, oh. Alright, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm shook. Bananas grow on herbs, not trees. So at the they end of those ten, song. you I have scored. You went, do you know how many you scored? I don't want to know, I think I got six, didn't I? You did get six. I'm not the guy who got them, but I have the lowest score ever? <laughs> yes, you have. You have. 
Uh, you're the only. I, I don't know what's worse, the fact that it's the lowest, or the fact that you're the only one not at the top of the table. Ah, uh, like it's everybody else and then just everyone else at number one, and then you, oh, number man. two. Oh man, this ah, is this is terrible. That's poor. We'll have to get you back on one day to have another go. That's right. Or we have to get Just John on because he'll get a worse score than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so that that brings that bit of the show to a close um so before we go a little bit of begging from me if you've listened this far through the show then thank you we're very honored please do hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any future episodes and if you've got a minute give us a rating and a review on whatever podcast system you listen to us on it really does help those ratings do help us get heard by more people uh, and literally just before we came on here today at 20 past seven i got an email with my uh, the latest chart position on the Apple Podcast charts for this week, we have gone back up forty five places in the charts this week. We are now sitting at number fifty nine in the wow. UK news commentary podcast tables. So that's, that's amazing because people are listening and people are sharing and liking and subscribing. So thank you. It obviously does make a difference. It helps us get up higher on those charts and more people can see us. Thank you very much for that. Uh, also, don't forget to follow us on all the social medias and send us any news stories that you want looking into. Contact each other coming up at the end of the show. Uh, now, before we go, have you got anything to plug, or Matt, or do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah. I host two different podcasts, a comedy podcast, allegedly, called Legend in My Spare Time with my best buddy, uh, and then I have an interview show called Matt Lee's Gets Creative, where every episode I interview fellow creative types about all manner of entertainment and all forms of the arts. Uh, and a brand new season of that starts in 2020. So, yeah, check me out. I'm at Legend Podcast on Twitter. And uh, podcasts are available everywhere the podcasts are. And my band, Matt Lee's Band, is available on Spotify or anywhere you get music. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. And I can say all of those are very good. So please do check them all out. Uh, no, thank you. Now, we do end our show with our good friend, Rando Cardrissian, who picks our episode subtitle. So I have pre-drawn some random cards from the standard UK version of Cards Against Humanity. And our subtitle today is... They said we were crazy. They said we couldn't put anal beads inside of Tories. They were wrong. Wow, uh, that's incredibly <laughs> fitting for this episode. It really is. It really is. <laughs> so on that unsavoury note, we'll say thank you to listening, everyone, and goodbye. Take care, guys. Bye now. If you want to contact the Ministry of Swooping, you can email moswooping at gmail.com. You can send a voicemail at anchor.fm forward slash moswooping. You can also join our Facebook group and be a part of the community. Just search for Ministry of Swooping. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, where we are at moswooping.com.